0: Welcome to another episode of The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. The Bold Platform was created in February of 2019 as a way to showcase amazing stories of Australian women and girls who have created really beautiful businesses or projects that are somehow allowing them to live their part of the community a little bit better than how they found it. So if you have listened to episodes of this podcast before, it will come as no surprise to you that the subject of domestic violence is something that's very close to my heart and something that I do try to speak about wherever possible because it is something that I have personally experienced and I know other members of the community and family and friend groups that I am in have also had their own um, experience with it. And it is something that I like to shine a light on so that we can try to improve the currency situation in Australia with our domestic violence statistics. So today I will be chatting with a beautiful girl by the name of Laura who is doing amazing work in the domestic violence space but I do do just want to let you know up front that that is what we're going to be talking about today. So if that's not the best episode or the best topic for you to listen to today or ever for that fact please feel free to skip this episode. It's important um, for me to let you know that that's what we're going to be chatting about but it's also important for you to take care of yourself and make sure that you're not taking on any information or consuming any sort of topics around that that may not be the best information for you um, to be listening to today or any day. So I do just want to give you that warning up front. And um, as I said, please feel free to skip this episode. Um, but I do I do um, encourage you, if you can, to listen to this episode um, with an open mind and an open heart and to support the work of our guest today because it is very important. So in saying that, I would love to introduce Laura from Morgan Elwood to the Bold Platform today. Welcome, Laura. Hello. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time. I know like most people that run small businesses and also have their own sort of um, projects or other businesses on the side while we're in the middle of this um, this COVID-19 situation, life is a little bit hectic. So I'm very grateful for you for carving some time out of your day to to <laughs> chat with me. So obviously I've introduced you as Morgan Elwood, which is your um, business, but what mm-hmm. I really want to chat with you today is how the Makeup for Change project fits into that business. So I would love to hand over to you and get you to share with, with me and with the listeners a little bit about the work that you do. Thank you. Um, so
1: Make Up the Change is a project um, that's partnering with Women's Safety New South Wales, uh, where we're gonna offer a free hair and makeup session to women who have experienced any form of domestic abuse in their life um so you probably notice i'm using the term domestic abuse to start with so Mm -hmm. instead of using the term domestic violence Mm -hmm. um the reason for that and i I spoke to women's services and i'll talk a bit more about what they do later Mm. the reason i'm trying to use that term is that um there's a real sort of connotation with domestic violence that it it is mainly or predominantly about physical violence you know Mm. um which obviously it does encompass but we want to spread a bit of awareness and um, capture a bit more knowledge about the different forms of abuse that are really becoming more recognized now. Mm. So, that includes physical violence, emotional and physical um, psychological abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse and violence, financial abuse and control fear intimidation social abuse uh harassment and isolation so um you'll probably hear me refer to domestic abuse throughout the podcast instead Mm. of um domestic violence i think that's a really important change that we make just just to stop that sort of initial like you know connotation with just physical violence just so these women who are experiencing so much more um you know are sort of recognized for Mm. what they've they've gone through Uh, so what we're doing is um, we're offering these sessions because I really wanted to spoil these women and give them an opportunity to talk about their experiences um, and and feel safe and loved like they deserve. Uh, Part of the project is providing um, more information to people around where to find help in a domestic abuse situation and more importantly how to leave safely. So I was writing a little bit last night on um, a, a flyer that I'm doing and I think you know, we can't control others' actions, so we can't necessarily control the actual violence and abuse that's happening. But what we can control is how we deal with it, how we recognise it and how we walk away from it, which mm. is the most important thing. And that's a really hard thing to do. Um, anyone who has been in an abusive situation knows how difficult that is to actually walk away. And in most cases, you know, that's not even an option for people yes. who have kids and families and, yeah. Yeah. So we want to provide that information and um, part of what we're doing is raising donations for women's safety in New South Wales, which I mentioned. Mm -hmm. So they provide support to women who um, have to attend court in taking out an apprehended violence order or an ABO. So they're there to provide information, provide support services, um, give you direction to any kind of assistance that you might need, organise all of the sort of financial assistance or aid for you while you're going through it. Uh, They're actually there with you in court while you're waiting Uh, and they're also the peak representative body for change in parliament and legislation. So they're the ones that are pushing big changes through like the acceptance of those different forms of abuse being recognised in a court. So, for example, in 2016 um, at the start of the year it wasn't recognised that intimidation and harassment and um, isolation was a form of abuse in court, Um, whereas by December Projects like this um, and Women's Safety in New South Wales, they really drove change for that. And so now those kinds of abuse are now actually still slapped with an AVO when it goes to court, which is an amazing change.
0: Yeah, that is incredible. So how does this project fit into your broader business?
1: Uh, so Morgan & Elwood is um, my hair and makeup services business um I trained as a makeup artist and a beauty therapist after school and Mm -hmm. it um really struck me that there were all these women coming in for their appointments and using it as a form of therapy so you know we'd be doing a massage or a facial or you know even a wax and these women would open up to me about their personal struggles so Mm. problems at home or illnesses and in a lot of cases domestic abuse and abuse against their children and you know at 22 in straight out of school and into abuse salon I really wasn't um, trained to deal with that um, but I do my best to be supportive and at the end of the day it was really confronting to me because these women would walk out and I wouldn't know if they were going to be okay mm. um, so that was something I really just instantly knew that that's the path that I wanted to take in finding a way to help these women and and f- make them feel like they had emotional support um, no matter what they were doing so the idea is that um, you know, one day Morgan Elwood grows into sort of a bricks and mortar kind of store, um, and we can provide all forms of self care so physical, psychological, emotional. Um, but at the meantime, we just do hair and makeup for weddings and events, we do a bit of beauty, and we just talk a lot about, um, you know, the issues around domestic abuse still come up so often in my appointments that. Um, you know, it really does fit hand in hand,
0: actually. Yeah, absolutely. And so, you mentioned your partnership with Women's Safety New South Wales. How did you um, sort of narrow down? Because I know, just from you know being being a, a female in New South Wales, that there are various services that um, can support women in um, the domestic abuse space. How did you decide on Women's Safety, and then how did you sort of work that partnership with them?
1: yeah great question because um it's really overwhelming the amount Mm. of results that come up when you google you know domestic violence support or or services online um excuse me and um, you know we we sort of think um women automatically or instinctively should know that they can call lifeline or they can call you know whoever it is Mm. on the first results on google but the fact is when you're under that kind of stress in an abusive situation a lot of the time those things don't even occur to you um so um, it was actually personal experience that um, that made me choose Women's Safety, New South Wales. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had to deal with a lot of forms of domestic abuse um, throughout my life until I was about 27, mm-hmm. and um, I went through an AVO process um, a few years back. And I was sitting in court, waiting in the waiting area for women, um, and the volunteers there were from Women's Safety, New South Wales. So they actually right. have a little office in the Downing Centre um, Court in Sydney. And we were just having a chat, you know, trying not to focus on what was impending. Sure. And they would talk to me about um, the numbers of women coming through the place just each week. And not only was it the women sitting there around me who were waiting for their hearing, but that's that's those women on one day of you know, one week of one month in one year Mm. and for one region, you know, and that's still only representing the cases that have actually gone to police and made it as far as AVO. You know, I was sitting there um, at the second hearing and this beautiful woman who'd been dealing with this for eight months because an AVO is a really long process. It can take up to eight eight or 12 months to even get it finalised in court. Um, and this woman had been dealing with this for eight months. And at the last second, because she was intimidated by, um, unfortunately, a young, younger female police officer who didn't handle things very well, she actually withdrew her case on the spot after eight months. Wow. Um, so these, that combination of statistics that I was hearing from these women who were working there every day, the actual women that I was seeing sitting there and witnessing this sudden withdrawal because, oh my God, it's just too hard anymore. I don't want to do this, get me out of here, which I definitely definitely um felt for um that sort of just made me decide that that was the organization that i wanted to raise donations for and raise awareness for because they have such a huge role like i said with parliament and legislation in um getting change through the system and into the courts which i think
0: is really important and being that advocate for women yeah just trying to sort of get by and don't don't have the kind of capacity to Mm. be advocates themselves i guess Yeah, exactly. And so you approached them and sort of said, you know, hey, this is my idea. And and then they sort of worked through that process of how that could work in terms of a partnership with you.
1: Yeah. So I had the idea pretty well sketched out as to what I was going to do, but I just wanted to. I was going to do it anyway, but I thought, look, I'll just talk to one of these, I'll just talk to the organisation, see if they're happy for me to raise money on their behalf and, mm. and things like that. And they they were amazing. So they operate pretty much 98% on volunteers. There's only wow. two full-time staff members in um, New South Wales. And they met with me, you know, a week after I reached out and they sat with me for over an hour and they were just so excited for me and the idea that, that I had and they just said, look, let's just make you, um, make it a partnership kind of arrangement. Mm. We know so many women who would be willing to, to speak to you and to have um, like this service done for them and to share their story with you. And, um, yeah, so it just kind of started there, which is great. They've just been so supportive of it.
0: It's so, um, I guess, encouraging to know that, you know, even for those organisations that are volunteer-based and don't have like a huge administration or operations team to have sort of, you know, um, uh, someone who manages community partnerships or things like that, that they still have the capacity to go, yes, like how yeah. can we help you and still be giving when, you know, they're trying to give to not just, you know, the frontline, but also from a volunteer point of view I'm sure they've all got other things that they do in their lives as well.
1: Yeah, you'd, you'd be thinking that they sort of pushed me six months down the track and say, "Oh, yeah, sounds nice, do what you want." But they were just yep. so involved. And when I went in there to the offices, they actually had another podcast recording at the same time um, about women sharing their domestic abuse stories. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, they're really hands on. I think they're just they're a bit of the of the concept that any publicity is good publicity. That yeah. any kind of awareness and any kind of project to to help women in these situations is important, and they're willing to back that.
0: And also, too, if you have a greater understanding of where the money's going that you're raising, that obviously helps you to communicate with potential donors to go, you know, it's one thing for people to be going, hey, I'm fundraising for this and and you hand over whatever money you can. But if you know, mm. you know, really specifically or someone can tell you, look, I've received their services firsthand and this is the impact that it made, then it also makes that decision for all yep. of the members of the public that I'm sure are being asked for donations from various different yeah. worthy causes all the time to really be able to understand where their money's going to?
1: Yeah, it can be really exhausting. I think we mm. get really overwhelmed. I mean, I used to say growing up that I wish there was just one central organisation for cancer, for abuse, yes or, you know whatever. Just to I was of, like the, that like, when like, we had the, the bushfires. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just kind like, of Celeste I don't know. Barber did it <laughs> yeah. really well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. So it, it's and unfortunately, I have to say, Facebook kind of doesn't really help there. It's great that they're doing this birthday donation idea, but mm. I think people get really tired of being asked. At, you know hand money over and when we're getting it every single register that we're checking out at you know cotton on body and mm. all of mm. these places can you add extra money to support this this fund you feel like well, what is this actually doing what is my yeah. two or four dollars or 96 cents
0: actually doing Whereas, yeah
1: you
0: know and it's a good point around facebook you know like there have been issues with facebook and data and mm. privacy and things like that so i think everybody is a little bit not jaded, but maybe a little bit um, wary when it comes to processing donations and things like that with Facebook, but where it is, you know, like you said, an actual physical shop or somewhere that people are going anyway for their beauty therapy um, and they know the people and they already kind of feel like they're part of that community, then that's Mm. obviously going to help from a a trust point of view, I think. Yeah, yeah. What, um, in terms of your business, obviously you're running that business plus you're working working you know, you mentioned before we started recording that you also work in a financial planning organization, plus mm-hmm. you've got Makeup for Change. How do you manage all of <laughs> that? Especially when the Makeup for Change is such a, um, you know, it's not the lightest of subjects and I'm sure the stories that you're hearing and, and the women that you're interacting with or, or, or the information you, that you're getting through Women's Safety New South Wales, it's not it's not definitely not the most light-hearted information how do you sort of manage all those different hats that that you have to wear or that you're choosing Um, to wear I should say
1: I've kind of always been like that um I think it's just sort of who I am as a person I've always done you know I mean in my early 20s I think I was working three different jobs plus doing uni um I've always done just so many more things than your regular one job and maybe mm. studying, so I guess that's quite normal to me. Mm. I like to. I'm very lucky in that my day job. I work from home. Um, mm-hmm. My my team and my um, my manager. He hates being called that. Is really supportive yeah. of of me and my own business as well. So, for example, he knows that today I'm taking time out to. record this and he's Mm. so excited about it um so that really helps and then I've got um a best friend who runs her own business called um pretty frank which is candles Mm -hmm. and she's so driven in her own business that it kind of forces me to remember to spend time on my own business which is Mm -hmm. really good so we've got like a joint asana um uh, program that we use to to bounce ideas off each other and keep pushing each other to to get work done so mm. she's been really good in reviewing some of the ideas to make up for change as well
0: oh that's great it sounds like that's a really good support system, both from a work mm. point of view, but also a friendship point of view. And I think it's helpful having your friend that also has her own small business from a relatability point of view. She obviously mm. understands sort of the things that you go through as a small business owner and and how, you know, the different, um, not struggles, but different hurdles and challenges yeah, that you exactly. might come up with, come up against. Talking about hurdles and challenges in, in terms of getting the Makeup for Change project up and running, what have been some of the more challenging moments whether it's been you know pushback from the community or people sort of questioning why you would do that what have been some of the the hurdles so far from you and, and how have you sort of worked through those?
1: Um, I think there's really only been two and they've both been very personal it's mm. it, the first one was actually having the courage to tell people what I was doing. Um, I've always been like that. I've I've had all these great ideas and I've never really been brave enough to tell people what I want to do. And it's Mm -hmm. only when I've actually opened my mouth that people have gone, this is great, why aren't you doing this? So Mm -hmm. um, that was probably the first hurdle was just self-confidence in being able to talk to people and knowing when it's appropriate to drop the content into a a conversation as well because, you know, you don't want to upset people kill the mood but you know you still want to say to people hey I'm working on this thing I'm really excited about it um you know what do you think so Mm. that's probably the first one and then the second one is um just being really careful with my language around things so I've been drafting like a pdf flyer and doing the website and things and um, women's um, safety has been amazing because they've been uh, reviewing everything that I've done Mm -hmm. uh, and giving their feedback as well Um, but I think just being aware that people can have really strong opinions about things like domestic violence, domestic abuse, um, trigger warnings, things like that, and mm-hmm. just being aware that, you know, my language isn't provocative, that people are going to read it and understand that it's completely well-meaning and that there's no criticism of, you know. A lot of the, the issues I think domestic abuse faces is that um, men often feel like it's they're, they're under attack yeah. when it's raised. Yeah. Um, and I'm really big on not driving that. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a blame game. I think mm. unfortunately it's just the way things have sort of gone through history. I don't honestly think it will ever be eradicated, but that's why I think it's just really important to just stop blaming, stop stop pushing other people to, to do things or stop doing things, but focus on what you can do to help mm-hmm. yourself and to avoid these situations and help other people when you see them experiencing it. I think we're going to have so much more change if we focus on that rather than unfortunately, you know, rallying and and getting upset and angry about it.
0: Yeah. I interviewed um, Kelly Mills from 100 Alice Stories um, a few months ago and and her and I did talk about, you know, it's quite often when you see um, a public figure or a news um, organization posting about domestic violence online or even the police, often in the comments it is a lot of men that are upset that it is quite a women and children focused hmm. topic um how do you so and and i personally have found myself getting very frustrated and really having to sort of bite my tongue and not respond to that because unfortunately hmm. you know it does happen and i i know that from personal experience that um you know in terms of seeing other relationships around me that women can be the violent or the yeah. abuser as well but unfortunately the, the statistics don't lie and they are the way they are. How yeah. do you sort of manage that flow of information coming into your headspace in terms of some of those um, comments around and uh, what the what um, different members of the community and, and men sometimes will say?
1: Um, as you say like it, it unfortunately it just comes down to, to statistics. Mm. it's not it's not personal, it's not. Mm you know, yes, men are going to get very upset about this a lot of the time when it comes up because they feel like they're being accused of something which they're not, it's not Mm. in their nature to do. And I fully support that. But At the same time, you know, yes, I have had um, mates of mine, guys who have been physically abused by Mm. their girlfriends and Mm. it doesn't matter where the abuse is coming from, it's not okay. And the same things apply to men who are experiencing it as it does for women. True. I think the problem there is for men breaking down the barriers to be able to ask for help and to go to the police when they feel like it's a bit embarrassing. Mm. Um, But the reality is, and I, I think we just have to be really calm when faced with that response, is that, you know, I'm not discrediting anything that you've witnessed or anything that you've experienced, but mm. at the end of the day, it comes down to numbers and the sheer number of women experiencing this um, and their, you know, family histories of women in their, in their past having experienced this just way, way outnumbers the amount of men who who are victims of it. So, yeah, it's it's just learning how to be really politically correct, I think, and mm. not making someone feel like you're discrediting Their
0: own experiences, Mm. and uh, you made a really good point there around men being able to sort of break down that um, barrier to then to go and ask for help, and and the same applies for anyone in in an abusive relationship. But I think because the statistics are the way that they are, that there is this assumption that if men are coming forward and saying something, and it's like, oh, well, what, like, what did you do to to instigate that, or you know, you must Mm. have abused that person first. It's just all those things that. It's all the kind of historics or the statistics that both genders are coming up against when trying to report or raise um, a flag to say, look, this is the situation that I'm in at the moment. Yeah, yeah. On the flip side to I guess those, those challenges that you've just talked about, what have been some of um, the real highlights or the real milestone moments for you so far in in the work that you've done with Makeup um, for, for Change already?
1: Um, well, it's pretty new. I mean, um, coronavirus has sort of put a bit of a stop to everything because we can't actually do services at the moment. But yeah. um, I think just the acceptance and the excitement from other people has been mm-hmm. really encouraging. So, mm-hmm. you know, my mom told me she was proud of it. I just sat there. It was flawed. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, my God, Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, just, I mean, my psychiatrist even said, hey, I think that's a really great idea, you know, and he's treating me for the ongoing, you know, impacts of domestic Mm. abuse and you just think you know if I can get approval from other women who have been through this themselves and um medical professionals and anyone that I talk to and I haven't met a single person yet who said I don't know what you're doing or why you're doing it Mm. um except for one in particular who shall not be named yeah um you know and every every single person supporting it is just it gives me more hope and more fuel in the fire to keep going and to to keep pushing with it I think this is going to be a massive thing and from speaking to women's safety I think they also think you know they've got a list of, of people of endless people who could be open to the service
0: and I think it could really take off into something special that hopefully will have some big changes in society. So let's talk a little bit more in detail about the services. And obviously, as you mentioned there, that the um the COVID-19 situation has put a stop to a lot of the the services that you would like to be offering. But what does what does make up for change look like in the um in the future in terms of the services and, and how that will work for the members of the community?
1: Yeah, so we're going to so registrations are actually open um, mm-hmm. on the website, which we'll talk about later. Um, yeah. So you can actually register your interest already about receiving a free session. Um, it is, and I do stress this video is available to women who have experienced abuse. Um, that's the key hook, criteria, not for yeah. someone if you, you know, you're if you're a daughter of someone who has, you know, that's really lovely and I'm, I definitely welcome you to share your story, but the actual service would be for your mom, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. Got you. Um,
1: so what we're going to do is... Um, we're gonna sit down and we'll just have a bit of a chat and talk about, you know, the service that's available and what we're gonna do because it, it is about pampering these women. You know, it's mm-hmm. so hard after living with um, abuse to to love yourself and to give yourself that kind of self-care. So I really wanna be the person pampering them and spoiling them and making mm-hmm. them feel good. So that upfront is you know the first and foremost thing that we're doing. So it's choosing the hair and makeup that they want, talking about anything that they want to learn while they're actually having the session mm. done, um, doing the styling that they like, um, and then giving them like a face chart of the look that we've done, and also a recommendation of any products that um, they might want to go and shop for, or if they've got any questions about you know color matching or or what might be good on their skin, for example. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's really the core of it. Um, and then afterwards, we'll, we'd sit down and we'll have a chat. Um, and we'll talk a little bit first about, um, you know, about this person. So I want to know what they're excited about, what their goals are, Mm -hmm. what they feel like they've achieved in life, you know, focus on them and their growth as a person. And then we can start talking about, you know, so what were your experiences and they, are welcome to share as much or as little as they want. There's no mm-hmm. obligation to go into details about what they've been through. Mm-hmm. In a lot of cases, um, an interesting fact is if your AVO hasn't been granted for whatever reason, um, you actually can't mention that person or give you any information as to um, details of the case because it's right. considered um, defamation. Right. So we need to be really careful that when we're talking, it's, it's very general with women who, who haven't been able to get an AVO, but for those who have, um, and they're open to it, you know, by all means, tell us all the information you want because it is about sharing your experiences and helping other women recognise that, you know, I might be in an abusive situation mm-hmm. that never occurred to me or maybe mm-hmm. what my friends and my mum said to me is actually correct.
0: Mm-hmm. How do I
1: get away from this? So we're going to get that information then and um, we'll record it um, just just in notes form. We'll share it back with them so they can have a look. They've got open line of communication at any time to talk to me or add it Add details, or say they're not comfortable with something that they might have said. That's fine. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, that down the line, we might collect these into a bit of a story, a bit of a book. We might. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to be able to take photos of either the back of their hair or a shot from the day. You know, if it's just of the makeup on the on the table, or if they are able to talk about what they've been through, maybe it is of their face, mm-hmm. um, so that we can combine that into sort of a document that's really celebrating these women.
0: Mm-hmm. That sounds so beautiful. And it sounds like you're, you know, from very much aware of the boundaries and, and where those lines are and what you can and can't do in terms of confidentiality mm. and privacy and, um, you know, victim safety and things like that. Is that through the Women's Safety New South Wales and the guidance that they've given you? Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Because I guess that is it, that would be, I guess, the most tricky or the, the most technical kind of component of what what you're doing wouldn't it
1: yeah so they have heaps of resources so they Mm. shared a whole bunch of um, documents and you know the legal guidelines and also just um guides on how to discuss it without Mm. discussing it which Mm. sounds kind of obsolete considering what we're trying to do yeah but um you know it's really useful that they have that information so we can even send that to um, people before they come and have the session just so that they're conscious of it Um, And then we're also just working with women's safety to get a bit of a disclaimer in place that, you know, everything is going to be kept as private as it can be or they want to be Mm. Um, and that we definitely, you know, we're not planning on sharing anything that could further their experiences in any way.
0: Yeah, that sounds incredible. And as I said, it really does sound like you've sort of got all those sort of checks in place to make the women feel as comfortable and Mm. secure and safe and obviously to, you know, safeguard yourself and and your team around, um, you know, making the women feel as as comfortable as they can, so that they do get the most out of this beautiful experience that you're that you're providing them. Yeah. And so, what does what do you need in terms of support to make this work? Obviously, by trade, you can physically deliver the sessions, but in terms of you know, if people are listening and and wanting to support you or other members of the community come across your story, what what are the sorts of things that you need both now and ongoing to continue to be able to run run this project?
1: Um, probably the first thing that I'm looking at next is, um, is getting a makeup brand to sort of sponsor it and maybe not providing every single product because that kind of goes against my... Um, my methodology as a makeup artist is usually sure. one brand and one brand only. But yep. it would be great if there was um a company. I know there are some Australian brands, but I know there's also some international brands who actually have um domestic violence, um, projects that mm-hmm. kind of fly under the radar. Um, mm-hmm. so I'm looking at reaching out to them or anyone that, you know, listens to this, who might be interested. There is, mm. um, my email address is on the website to contact if, if you're interested in, in doing that, or mm. alternatively, um, if you want to give a donation, yes, but if you want to actually sponsor the Make Up the Change project, you know, and contribute a little bit towards those, um, those ongoing fees of just makeup provision and, and things that's, that would be amazing as well. Um, obviously it is, um, you know, a, a cost to offer the service, but sure I'm going to manage my time as well so that it doesn't become really draining in that sense. So we're going to block out days, you know, once a month to to slot a few people in and book them in like appointments. So, yeah, that's probably the first thing that we're looking at.
0: Yeah, definitely. In terms of you maintaining your own levels of um i guess mental wellness and caring for yourself what what do you currently do to make sure that you know you're you're taking care of yourself so that you can continue to take care of these other women and i i can only imagine that that um is only going to get more and more on you as you are interacting and hearing more of these stories in the future
1: mm. um mine's going to be and this is probably where your little warning to start with is really good um because mine is not about Taking a walk or having a bath or reading a book or lighting a candle, that's that unfortunately is a nice thing to do for myself. But in terms of taking care of myself, because I have such um, such intensive long term um, emotional and psychological damage from mm-hmm. this kind of abuse that I've been subject to for most of my life, um, that self care for me is making sure I take my medication every day. You know, I take my um, anti anxiety medication and mm-hmm. that I've got my backup. Uh, medication that my psychiatrist gives me um in my wallet at all times and I've got a pack at my best friend's place and things that if for some reason I'm I'm triggered by something that I've got a safety net to fall back on mm. um they're probably the, the biggest things for me and also learning how to say to people around me that I'm not okay um I had a bit of an experience earlier this year where a group of really family to me um weren't actually aware I'd never told them about what I'd been through and Mm. unfortunately I had a bit of um what's called like a complex PTSD episode Mm -hmm. um and they you know thank god one of them found me because I didn't have I didn't have the the courage to say to one of them hey I'm not actually doing so well right now so part of it is also for me learning how to say I'm not okay to Mm -hmm. people Mm -hmm. um and learning how to say no because, you know, like, like you were talking before about what I do, I'm, you know, I'm working a job plus my own business plus mm. this project plus, you know, whatever. Um, it's learning to say no because I will say yes to everything that's put in front of me, which mm-hmm. is probably not a good thing long term for my sanity yeah, of course. Um, so I am trying at the moment to learn how to say no to things but, mm. um, that's a work in progress
0: yeah and that, that's you know like where you mentioned about your friend that's got pretty frank and and things like mm. that people like that can be really great in terms of helping keep you accountable to go no I've seen this I've seen these signs before or yeah. you've said yes <laughs> to a lot lately and help to kind of keep keep you accountable to some of those parameters that you put in place, especially as this begins to ramp up and we come out the other side of, you know, mm-hmm. the quarantine period and you can really start to ramp ramp mm-hmm. things up. It's so great to have people like that who you can rely on and, and to be able to chat with people, like you said, like that you do classify as family and that the reaction that you get or the response that you get when you you do kind of expose yourself and be vulnerable and share that with them is one of a reaction of support and concern and compassion mm. so that you you feel safe to tell someone else in the next time that sort of comes up
1: yeah exactly yeah I um I, that was a big learning curve for me after mm. 31 years to to realize that I could actually rely on people who I always knew that I could, but, you know, you don't want to test it. (laughs) You don't want to test the friendship. And I think we often get very scared to ask for help and that's sort of where it comes back to domestic abuse as a whole because sometimes you don't know who to tell first and getting that reaction when you first say to someone things aren't okay at home, um, you know, you don't know how they're going to react. Some people don't react well at all and that can make the
0: whole thing a lot harder. Mm. I think you know like we said at the start the more that we do talk about this subject of domestic abuse and and you made such a brilliant brilliant point at the start around the terminology and and making people understand that it is more than you know bruises and and that physical kind of display mm. of of abuse but it also helps to give people the vocabulary and the language and the terminology to be able to have those questions because not everyone, you know, has the tools in their toolkit to be able to respond to a friend or a family member when they come to them and say, look, this is what I'm going through. Not everyone has the, the words to or the the vocabulary or the terminology or the skills to have that conversation. So I think the more that we talk about it and the more that they see it in the news and the media and in movies and books and things like that, the more that we learn how to talk about it and have the right sort of vocabulary to be able to have those conversations so that we can help somebody, but also to be able to educate people around what services, you know, like Women's Safety New South Wales, what services are out there to go look I'm sorry that this is happening to you, I'm not the best person to help mm. you and I, but I will call these people for you or I'll go to this appointment with you and and get that professional um, support that you need.
1: Yeah, and also learning, um, and this might sound really harsh, but learning who the right person is to tell as mm-hmm. well. So mm-hmm. especially in an abusive situation, you you really need to have a lot of trust and a lot of respect for anyone that you actually open up to about mm. what's going on because unfortunately um, or fortunately you know not everyone has experienced Mm. um, really difficult things in their life and that can be as simple as you know someone who's just breathes through things really beautifully comes from a great family background and those people are wonderful but they may not actually really know enough or be equipped or just emotionally mature enough to Mm -hmm. be able to help in those situations so I think it's also important to to keep that in mind um, about who you want to kind of talk to about your issues and that's why these services are there so mm-hmm. that you can talk to someone confidential confidentially or mm-hmm. otherwise um mm-hmm. and know that you're gonna get the right support um the other thing that uh, women's safety in new south wales has just done is they've created a booklet called charmed and dangerous and the pdf for that is actually on uh, my website as well um mm-hmm. and it's the most amazing guy that i wish i'd had you know, five years ago when I was going through this, because it, it talks about all the different forms of abuse, what they may look like, um, what, you know, kind of can slip under the radar, why you're so infatuated with this person, why you really are struggling to say this isn't okay, um, and also how to get help, how to leave, but also the ongoing effects. So after you actually leave that that relationship, our, um, God, the, the things that we can engage in ourselves to, to sort of self harm mm-hmm. can be insane that we don't even think of that we're doing it and that definitely happened to me I was self-harming myself not in a physical sense but in a um in the things that I was doing and saying and treating other people and I didn't realize that that was sort of an actual side effect of having being in this abusive situation. So that um that little booklet is amazing and it's got all the resources you can think of in the back of it too. So I definitely encourage anyone who's interested in the topic, regardless of whether you've been through this or not, um, is to go and download it and just sit and have a read one day. It's not fake, just it'll take you 25 minutes. Mm. And the information in there is just amazing.
0: It sounds like a really valuable resource. Like you said, whether people have experienced it or just want to um I guess have a broader knowledge of Domestic abuse and and sort of how to help people if it ever came to that with people in their family and friends circle that does really sound like a an amazing resource. Yeah. Hmm. In terms of starting up a project like Make Up for Change, if someone's listening and, and thinking you know I'd like to take what I do in my sort of day job and and apply that to a um, social issue or or to be able to help members of the community, what is some advice that maybe you receive that you would pass on or something that you've learned along the way that you would pass on to someone who may be thinking like, I can take these skills that I'm using for my business and apply those to a members of the community that might need them.
1: Um, first start talking about it. You know, like I said before, most of what stopped me in the last ten years from doing the things that I want to do is just not Mm. being open to talking about them. Not not because I was, you know, thought they were bad ideas, but because I was just embarrassed. I'm just shy in that sense. And I just didn't want to be judged for something that people might not have realized was something that was so important to me. Mm. Um, so just start talking to people about it. You know, I um I started opening up about this last year and I actually met um a girl at a wedding who said, oh, that's amazing. I actually used to work um, with someone who worked in an animal shelter which will take on um, dogs and pets from people who are in domestic abuse situations and they can't look after their animal while they're leaving. Yeah. Oh, my God. If I hadn't thought of just discussing what I was working on casually Mm. off the bat as a part of, you know, hey, this is what I do for work but this is what I'm interested in, I never would have known about that. So um, definitely just start talking about it. I know there's a lot of organisations about Social change and and resources that you can get about, um, you know, getting into that sphere. But just talk to people, think about how it's going to um, impact them. But I think probably my one word of wisdom is you need to be fully invested in this. This isn't something that you can really start and then finish or lose steam on halfway through. Mm. Um, And it does really involve um, taking on opinions and information from everywhere you get them. So. Mm. You know, sitting down and reading those guides on how to talk about, you know, your abuser covered a couple because that's where you get your knowledge from on these matters. And you might think you know everything from personal experience, but, you know, actually reading legislation or reading other people's accounts of what they've been through, I think is really important as well.
0: Yeah, that, that is really good advice. And I think, um, you know, when you do first start talking about it, like you touched on earlier, you do get very nervous. I know like even just with the podcast, which is nowhere near as, um, I guess as, as deeper topic as domestic abuse, but it took me until the trailer was in iTunes to tell any of my family that (laughs) I was doing it because I was like, (laughs) I was so nervous and I thought, oh, people are going to like, you know, make judgments or kind of go, oh, why are you doing that? Like, you know, you don't work in the media or you're not a journalist or, you know, any yeah. of those sorts of things. But as soon as I did, I was like, oh, why didn't I share this with people earlier? Because yeah. they gave me so many, um, like, you know, they kind of encouraged you and shared your excitement, but also gave yeah. you good advice and, and put you in touch with other people that you're like, oh yeah, this is great. Like I should have been telling people about this earlier because people, you know, most people do have good intentions and want to help you and want to support you and kind of go, oh, how can I help? Do you want me to share it? Do you want me to, you know, put it on my page or whatever that might be? And people do genuinely want to, want to help and will support you, especially when it's something obviously as um, close to your heart as the the topic of domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard. It's balancing that excitement with the little voice in the head going, Self doubt, self doubt. (laughs) I've had a lot of that. So yeah, Yeah, it's it's so tough. But that is really good advice. Like, just start talking about it, and and people can tell. Like, they can pick up on that passion and that your excitement and your passion for what you're doing and how much you care about it. They'll they'll be able to see how much it means to you and and want to Mm, and want to support you. Yeah, exactly. In terms of your business or businesses and your work and your personal life, what are some of the things that you find that you aren't able to live without?
1: Um, I don't know if it affects um, what I do so much, but I think probably my mum is a really big part of this for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so she took us away from um, an abusive situation as mm-hmm. children um, and she's just been this um, this example of this strength that women have when the whole world is just falling around down around mm-hmm. them. So, um, you know, I wouldn't be who I am today, and I certainly wouldn't have the same passion for this this subject if it wasn't for her and her incredible strength through all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've seen the woman cry once in her life, and wow. and the things that we've been through. Just you know, she she gets a wrap as pretty much the best mom that there is. Um, <laughs> For that. And um, I guess also my nephew. So I, I will rant to anyone who listens about, <laughs> about my nephews. They're in the middle, they're five and, and three. Um, oh, that's but, such a fun age. Yeah, well, they're over in the States, actually. But um, I think why they're so special is they're the next generation. for for us and I am so passionate I remember when my first nephew was born I was so passionate about us as a family all giving them so much love and giving them this opportunity for a childhood that we really didn't have in the same Mm -hmm. way because a lot of that was sort of taken from us and we were Mm -hmm. forced to grow up really quickly and um, I don't know if my sister feels the same way but you know those little boys I just want them to grow up and I think they're going to have such a you know a passion for, for women and, and respecting them and everything because of how my sister raises them. But I just want them to know absolutely nothing but happiness and joy. Um, you know, as a result of of what we have gone through to get get them there.
0: I think it's a good point that you make around you know that next generation and obviously you know you, growing up seeing the relationships that you saw it obviously does have some sort of um, impact and, and forms opinions that you have on what you know, adult relationships or a relationship between, you know, a a life partner or a marriage or a husband and wife or two husbands or two wives might be, but having that next generation coming through and knowing that you can have an impact on shaping what their definition of an adult relationship or a healthy relationship looks like, I think is so important because they are that, like you said, the next generation and Mm -hmm. knowing that they'll grow up to be you know, respectful young men and and have healthy healthy you know and and emotionally um, mature relationships. And knowing you can have a part of that is is obviously a great opportunity for you and your sister to feel like you can, you know, maybe undo some of 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 what's already been done. I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they're going to be really lucky. I think you know, in the family that they have, that they, you know my sister and her husband love each other so much and they're, they're only going to know that growing up, which I think is really important to me. And I hope that knowing that they've got their aunts and their uncles and everything there um, to listen and help them whenever they need, you know, that's something that I think every child needs moving mm. forward because I think things were really different probably when I was growing up. You know, we wouldn't reach out to our aunts and uncles the
0: same way for
1: support. Mm. Yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that changes.
0: Well, it sounds like they're very lucky to, to have you as an auntie If people are listening and they want to find out some more information, read some of those resources, register their interests, help financially to continue um, for you to continue this work, where is the best place, Laura, for them to find out more information? Uh, So, our website is the best
1: place to go for that. So, it's um, www.morganellwood, which is M O R G A N e-l-w-o-o-d and i'll explain that name mm-hmm. in a minute um, mm-hmm. dot com uh and that is um it's under the about section called okay. make up for change and there's all the links to resources there's links to the women's safety new south wales website um the ebook to download charm and dangerous is on there as well as the link for gofundme um for the organization and those donations are going directly to the organisation as well, so you don't need to worry about them getting, you know, siphoned off (laughs) through makeup. (laughs) My spending for my kit would be amazing, but no. (laughs) So So tell me about the name. Uh, So Morgan and Elwood are the names of my sister and my um, teddy bears growing up. Uh, So, my sister had a big white polar bear um, with a blue bow tie called um, Elwood, and I had a little squat brown bear called Morgan with a little red bow tie. And when I was thinking of ideas for my business name, um, I wanted to capture that sense of um, safety and security Mm. and comfort and and joy and happiness you know because my business was always about more than just makeup and hair and beauty it was about the feelings that you get associated with that and that that love and that spoiling and everything so I thought our teddy bear names were pretty pretty good to go for that
0: (laughs) I love that and you've had that business for is it two Uh, years now uh no way longer probably about six six oh, wow. years or so
1: now. Yeah, so I started out, Um I've actually been working as a makeup artist since I was um, 19, mm. so, you know, 20. Oh, no, I'm not 20. God, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs>
0: 12 <laughs> years or so. You just aged yourself? <laughs> I just aged myself. I feel
1: that old sometimes. Um, no, about 12 years ago I started doing it, but I actually kicked off my own business about, um, I think it was about, yeah, 2015 or so.
0: Wow, that's incredible. And what an amazing mm. opportunity for it to get to that point that you can now utilize the business and the following and your skills and the people that you've met to now, you know, add this additional layer of this sort of social impact component to the business.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, I've been very lucky. I haven't had to do much advertising for my own business. It's always Mm. been through word of mouth and referrals. And I've got these beautiful girls who keep on, you know, pinging me on to the next bride in their friendship group. Um, So I've been very lucky in that sense. So I feel like you know, at least doing this project. When I'm reaching out to tell them about it, my clients mm. are also a bit of family. Like I've done mm. weddings for multiple daughters in families and things. Aww. I know that they'd all be so excited to, yeah. to support
0: it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's so special. Well, um, like Laura mentioned, the website there is morganelwood.com, and we'll put the link to that in the show notes. Um, when you jump onto that website, under the about page, there is the section called Make Up for Change, and on that page, it does go through um, what it's about and the back background to the project but also links through to the women's safety some statistics around domestic abuse in Australia that booklet the charmed and dangerous booklet that Laura mentioned and also how you can get involved whether you directly would like some support um, or you would like to support the work that Laura and her team are doing so please check that out if this episode you think could be beneficial to a member of your family and friends please um, share this episode with them tag them in the post on our social media about this episode coming out um, on the Friday morning so that they can also hear the story and also um and share the the amazing work that Laura is doing. So thank you so much for listening and Laura. Um thank you not only for taking the time out of your day um to come onto the podcast, but also for the work that you're doing in this space. It it is um hard but it's also very brave and I am very grateful for the work that you're doing for members of the community so that less um, you you know less people (laughs) will potentially have to experience some of the things that that Mm. um that you and I have over our lives so thank you so much for for coming on the podcast today and for all the work that you're doing thank you you're so welcome